Much like everyone else who watches Bravo, The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City season 4 finale, which aired on Tuesday night, just the second night of the year and the first day back on the working grind for a lot of people after a long holiday break, is all that I've been able to think about this week. It was the perfect gift not only to make the jump back into work a little easier to bear, but also to kick off the year. It's been said all over the internet over the past few days, but... It's hard to imagine much on Bravo this year topping what we saw on the final night of that Bermuda trip. We very well might have gotten the single best hour of Real Housewives of the year, less than 48 hours into 2024. It was undoubtedly one of the best Housewives episodes of all time, instantly a top 10 or top 5 episode depending on how you see it, that will go down in reality TV history and could very well be a shift that has ripple effects across Bravo going forward. On today's episode of Gabbing with Gabe, I'll do a recap, analysis, and discussion of sorts about the episode with Louis Staples, who is truly one of the best writers about Housewives out there. If you've read about the shows in The Cut or Rolling Stone in the past year or two, chances are one of those articles was his. He provides excellent, deep analysis of these shows, so it was the perfect time to welcome him onto the podcast for the first time. We got into everything that happened within the episode and some of the stuff that Monica mentioned in her epic Instagram live after the finale on Tuesday night. But Louie and I recorded our chat on Wednesday midday, and already so much has happened since then. Right now, it's Thursday afternoon. Most of it doesn't impact what we said in our conversation, but I did want to share a few of my thoughts on those things before we jump into my discussion with him. While Monica was on her Instagram live, Tanisha, who is the hairstylist that confirmed Monica was behind Reality Von Tees and confessed to her initial involvement in the creation of the account, she started posting stories and screenshots on her Instagram, as did some of the other side characters involved with the account. And that continued into Wednesday and into today as well on Thursday. And honestly, most of what I've seen in terms of the screenshots of texts and things like that kind of cancel one another out in my mind. Like most of them have dates cut off or things scratched out. And I think it's a fool's errand to try and like put that jigsaw puzzle together because honestly, they're all telling versions of their own truths that omit anything that contradicts their side of the story, which I'm sure is a long list of things. So it's kind of just like, why are we paying attention to these random screenshots that don't really tell us anything substantial? It's quickly become an increasingly messy, confusing, and ultimately a fruitless situation of she said, she said on social media. It's too messy to be fun, in my opinion. And it's that exact level of mess that this has reached and will probably continue to operate at that tells me that this isn't some like elaborate plan dreamed up by Bravo, which is what a lot of viewers are choosing to believe, just like they did with Scandaval last year. It happens every time something almost too wild to wrap your mind around happens on one of these shows, which in actuality, I think is just an example of not being able to make this shit up. <laughs> like, I'm sure production knew about Monica's connection to the count earlier than we know, and perhaps Heather and maybe some of the other ladies may have too. But, you know, it came out after the finale that Jen Shaw had actually filed a cease and desist against Monica back in 2021 because of that account. And many people are jumping to that conclusion because of that, that that means that Heather must have known everything back then because Jen must have told her. And that means the production also must have known when they cast Monica, which means that this whole thing was an elaborate plan and we're all being hoodwinked for ratings. I do not believe that in the slightest. If Scandaval taught you anything, you shouldn't believe that either. And like, I don't know, didn't we see that Jen Shaw was pretty cagey about her legal stuff? Like, Heather chose to look the other way, but I think if Jen was like really telling her things, then she wouldn't have been able to look the other way. She was able to kind of operate in this ignorance is bliss mindset when it came to Jen and all her legal troubles, because again, Jen wasn't telling her anything. Jen maintained her innocence up until the last second possible. This isn't directly tied to that necessarily, but like, I guess they were posting all these things as pertained to her situation and they were sort of harassing her. And I don't think Jen wanted to call attention to that. So I could totally see a scenario in which she didn't tell Heather about this back then. 
So if the timeline of everything isn't exactly how Heather and production have presented it to us, then it's probably because it's an incredibly complicated situation that needed to be slightly simplified and produced for TV. For me, the finale was such like an epic spectacle of reality TV theater that I actually liked that it was produced in this over-the-top way, where we got the sort of the dramatic phone call, which then led to the OG's summit at the beach, and then to this orchestrated dinner full of monologues and reveals that I'm sure Heather prepped ahead of time. That's what made it so epic. And if the way that they were able to produce such a moment is because they held certain things back until the right time, then not only am I fully on board with that, but also it's like, that is something that has happened in less crazy moments. But that's happened all the time on Housewives that we just don't really know about or didn't really question. What's also come out since the episode and since Louie and I recorded these are really dark videos seemingly recorded by Monica herself arguing with her mother, Linda. I'm not going to get into the particulars of those videos, which are not hard to find on social media, because we're already well aware that they have this incredibly twisted, manipulative, dark relationship with one another. And it's a level of mess that, again, isn't even fun to watch. It's not really what Bravo is all about, which is just another example of why I believe this wasn't some big ruse dreamed up by production or Monica. We love mess, but not when it's like this. Maybe more will come out after I record this intro on Thursday afternoon, but this isn't a podcast where I'm going to release new emergency recordings every time there's an update on such a big moment in our Bravo world. If I started doing that, it would be totally unsustainable. But I did want to take a chance to talk about some of it in this intro before I get into my nearly hour-long discussion about the Salt Lake finale with Louie. I suspect that we have a solid amount of new listeners for this episode, so please make sure that you're subscribed or following gabbing with gib if you're new here or if you're listening to it again on your chosen podcast platform i'd love a five-star rating to kick off the year or a nice review if you enjoy this episode next week i have a great half hour interview with a real housewife of beverly hills that you won't want to miss but for now here's my chat about the real housewives of salt lake city season four finale with louis staples i want to gab Okay, so today we're gabbing with Louis Staples, who is an incredible writer who has penned some of the best Bravo and Real Housewives articles over the past couple of years. He recently wrote two fantastic articles for The Cut, one analyzing the path back to TV for former housewives, and one analyzing the year of 2023, showing that perhaps Bravo is too big to be taken down. So go read those if you have not already. I'll link them in my, my newsletter this week. We were going to talk about those two topics today, but neither of us can think of anything else other than <laughs> The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City season four finale, which was instantly iconic, historic, explosive, all the things. So instead, we're going to talk about that, recap a bit, and then kind of discuss takeaways and learnings from that episode. Louis, how are, are you still reeling like I am? I'm still reeling, but sorry to break the fourth wall. I've been looking at myself and I don't I don't normally record these with the, the visual. So I've been, <laughs> yeah, staring at myself as you were talking like a true housewife <laughs> would. Um, no, I'm still reeling. I, I've watched it twice. I'm probably going to watch it again shortly. It was truly Shakespearean. I mean, just the way it was, it was literally like a Shakespeare play, the way that it was edited together. It just kept, had me completely gagged. One of the things I'm so impressed by is how there was no leaks. Like, I really didn't know. I really, it really felt like the sort of olden days with like a TV show that everyone watches. I mean, we, we are all watching this, but you know, that type <laughs> of like, moment where no one knows the twist yeah i'd kind of seen rumblings that she was a blogger there was something of that nature but i did not like my jaw literally hit the floor when it was reality parties like i couldn't i was completely gagged um i did not see that coming i'm just impressed with the women that like you know they're so not restrained on salt lake in particular with their social media i'm so surprised that they didn't like 
get into some big fight about it on Twitter or um, Instagram or something like weeks before and like ruin the whole thing. Because I feel like once you know it's once you know it's different. It's kind of like scandal in that way. But like if you didn't, if you weren't there the first like the first time you heard the news about that happening, it's just not the same. So I'm really I feel privileged that I got to be there. Yeah, no, and I think for for us, it's we're two people who are very online when it comes to this stuff. So I think to to still have an element of surprise there, it's a you know it's a tick in the column for like you know things not leaking. I think people love to sort of pay attention to what happens during production and like during filming yeah. and and trying to pick up on what we're going to get the next season. But I kind of like this season, kind of the whole time. It's all sort of been a surprise, and I think that that it made this moment even more impactful than it already would have been. So. I mean, you mentioned the editing. I think that we need to like call out the editing from just at the oh, top so because good. like I mean, the, con- the constant thunder noises, the ominous horror sounds like the, the kind of constant rewinding and jumping back and forth between on, on the timeline of that day. It was artfully done. I, I genuinely totally. Believe. And it goes into this thing that always fascinates me about reality TV in general is like, obviously, we don't behave in a way naturally that's beginning, middle, end. But there's so much work that goes into on the Bravo side, on the um, you know editing and production to try and move the story every season to to where it has that kind of beginning, middle, and end point for us. And um, I just thought that this episode, how, how it was almost like the whole season and this episode feel almost separate because everything that we thought was true going into the episode got kind of turned on its head during the episode. So it really right. almost felt like its own separate movie, like uh, apart from the season, yeah. it sort of felt like every single thing i was like convinced that meredith was behind that dm thing for example like convinced and actually a few episodes ago i did say like when i was watching it i was like what if she did it that would be like crazy but i was like no way like there's just no way like that's just too too much so like even that just got like turned on its head and then the fact that we didn't even i mean personally the black eye reveal to me was kind of like yeah it almost got lost a little bit because it was just like it was like the third most scandalous thing in that episode Right. Yeah. It, we'll, we'll get there. Cause it's like, like, like I said to you before we started recording, like there are so many things that were, there was obviously the big reveal that Monica is behind this Instagram account, but there were so many little things kind of dropped in with that dinner scene that I think are kind of getting lost in the, in the immediate reaction yeah. and immediate aftermath to the episode. So I, I don't normally recap on this show. I, I normally will kind of have like specific topics I want to talk about, but I feel like this episode garners like some sort of recap as we sort of go through it and then we'll kind of do our takeaways but you know we open with heather at the og summit on the beach which obviously was very big big little lies it was the og summit very big little lies coded like it was it was it was was, it was, was, was epic and and i think that you know it gets to this thing of like i think heather you know, she had a tough last season. She's had a tough last couple seasons with like the constant defending Jen, the black eye thing, like the, how that was all drawn out, like really kind of, kind of, she took a lot of hits, I think, because of that and probably rightfully so. But I think that she's really redeemed herself this season and ultimately with this episode, she had this information, she got this confirmation and she sat on it, she waited and she delivered the, she delivered multiple moments, right? With the OG summit and then the dinner. So we see her on the beach and there's, these couple monologues that she does this one says there's yeah. something oh. there's something i need to tell you guys and it's big and it's not good i had some inf- information confirmed today and i've been wrestling with it all day not sure how to tell you she is not who she says she is she has plotted and profited from our lives and our pain it was lies pure lies she is not our friend i mean she's she's learned a thing or two from her time on tv right <laughs> 100 and i would love to know like whose idea the summit on the beach was like whether that was a heather idea or what, if it was a producer's idea because i mean it did feel i will say very produced like they came down one by right. one all 
full glam. Like it was like not just inviting them to the beach. Like it was a whole moment that had been st- like constructed for our pleasure, you know, like just like on Big Little Lies or something like that would be, uh, mm-hmm. as she said. So yeah, I'd be really interested to see who like whose idea that was and you like what you've mentioned there is something that i find really interesting about housewives in general which is like uh in this piece i wrote recently about the return of the ex-housewives um alex baskin who is the amazing producer of um oc and beverly hills and vanderpump rules we were talking about the idea of redemption and he said something like to the effect of you know we hope for redemption but you know sometimes it's about seizing that moment the woman seizing that moment when it arrives to them right. and i think what you said about heather there ties into this thing of like in housewives it's kind of what you do with it like you, you get information but if you fumble the bag if you fumble the reveal if you don't deliver it correctly then it can all go wrong and she knew that she had the zinger the thing that was going to be the big season finale thing and she really went every single step to make sure that it was presented in the most scandalous way. i mean around a dinner table in a shape like a triangle a triangle oh my god in bermuda after already like I don't know why I'm skipping ahead here, but already like play, playing like all of them playing along with that game for the right. first like few minutes. It was so like Game of Thrones or something. It, it was really literally was. like it really it was, was like Red Wedding. Yeah. And I think if you it's like if you think about sort of the alternative that could have happened, like she got she gets that phone call that we'll get to in a second. And she could have she could have ran out of her room and gone to Monica's room and been like, you, you bitch. Like, like she could have done that right there, but then all the other women would have been scattered around the house. Maybe someone were like taking naps, getting glam. Like it wouldn't have been the moment that I think is really, really made this episode. So it obviously the reveal was the moment, but Heather helped probably with the producers to, to make the reveal that much more iconic, that much more epic. So, I mean, I, I don't really think we need to talk that much about like Monica wake, waking Whitney up, encouraging Whitney to go talk to Heather and sort of talk out the stuff with the book. Like I don't, even at that early point in the episode, I didn't really care about that stuff. Like they quickly kind of cleared, cleared it up and like, I'm kind of done talking about Heather's book and then they go scooter riding. And there's this funny moment where like Meredith can't remember the last time she was behind the wheel of a car funny yada 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 but then like we're all kind of waiting obviously for get back to the beach summit get back to the dinner it's like that's the that's the entree or like the first drink or something of the night it's the amuse bouche yeah (laughs) yeah but you know that the that your favorite thing is coming yeah it was very like that and i really feel like what was so interesting about this whole thing is that it was actually i think bravo learned the lessons from the whole Vanderpump rules, you know, the last five minutes of the Scandal reunions where they they really hyped up that, right. you know, the, the, everything's going to change and all this stuff. For me, that felt a little bit flat when I actually, when it came. So I was kind of worried because, as you know, you're so online with the Housewives fandom. It was so hyped up, not just for a week. It was like to the next year, like from one right. year to the next, it was mm-hmm. hyped up. So I was, I was a little bit concerned that it was just going to be the reveal of her being, you know, the injections in Beauty Lab and that it was going to kind of we already knew that and it was going to feel a bit like, oh, really? So I think that it really delivered in terms of what, what they teased was exactly yeah. what came. And 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 they were the teasing that happened within the episode itself was, I think, like kind of top, it was pretty top tier. I, I've, I've seen some people sort of complaining about how they're drawing it out and sort of putting on this performance and the editing maybe being overkill and the constant back and forth. But I liked it. They, they were playing with us. They knew that we were so waiting for it. They whetted their appetite. So they they go shopping. Monica's card almost gets declined. And she, Monica went live on Instagram after the finale. And she said that actually, you know, she paid for Heather and Angie's perfume. And Heather has not paid her back for that perfume. But Angie paid her back right away. So there's there's been like little little reveals of all this kind of inconsequential stuff. But 
then we then we cut to the phone ringing, the sort of static kind of editing on on the camera. The camera is like sitting on the ground. They're clearly sort of at a break in filming, sort of between the afternoon outings and the dinner. Um, we see the crew kind of hanging around, and then we hear Heather another one of her sort of monologue moments. Hey, what did you find out? Are you kidding me right now? Shut the fuck up! I'm trembling, like trembling. I can't believe it's her. How could you do this to us? I'm freaking the fuck out. Like she could be talking about anything there, really. So again, that even the way that Heather's reacting and presenting her reaction on what she knows is on camera, and she knows she's miked it's sort of like she knows that she's being just vague enough you know in terms of like what could she be talking about but it, and it keeps our it keeps us going a little bit yeah and you know what when i first saw that moment um you know because it was t at the very start of the season i thought that maybe that was like some stopover while she was filming girls trip or something and she or like on the way there and she was hearing right. about jen shah's uh sentencing or mm. something like that and I was kind of like, oh, like, is it going to be like a lot of like Jen Shah reaction this season? And I really feel like they kind of made the right call by just leaving most. Of, I mean, she's been mentioned. There's been a few appearances yeah. by a flashback. But ultimately, like, I just feel like Monica's almost been like her her forecrux in this season a little bit, hasn't she? She's been like the the rising from the ashes to become this like j- super Jen Shah antagonist um, yeah. in the show. And I think that's kind of what was so fascinating and so satisfying about this twist was because it really kind of felt like a neat like ending to the Jen Shah of it all. And I feel like as viewers, we were denied that ending because she didn't turn up to the reunion and she basically protested her innocence the whole time. And it sort of felt like we never really got the payoff that we should have with the Jen Shah thing because we the whole while she was filming she couldn't really talk about it then she pled guilty and then she just basically fled the scene so we never really got that payoff and I feel like because Monica was so involved in that time and because the Instagram is so Jen Shah orientated that was I mean she said the collateral damage quote which I'm sure you you might repeat later but I just think that it was a satisfying tie-up of so many of these different narratives yeah yeah I think that I was so relieved that Jen Shaw was off the show. And I, I think the, obviously the big question going into the season was what the show would look like and what they would do without her because she was, she was really intrinsic to the DNA. But I think that this has proven to be their best season yet without her. And, you know, I think that in, yeah, in some ways, Monica is sort of like the like, or sort of like the ancestor of Jen Shaw. Like she's sort of the second coming in a different, obviously in a very different way, but um, I think they're both kind of, I mean, Jen Shaw was super reckless with her actions and words. So as Monica is, I think that's why people love her. She's pretty reckless with the way that, with her words and the and the things that she says. And I mean, just, I think we've seen that all season. So yeah. she definitely has shades of Jen Shaw, maybe with not as much of like the criminal aspect, but like in yeah. terms of the way that she acts around the women, I think it's very much a mirror of that. Yeah, it's so funny. Like, it just goes to show you with Housewives. It's so interesting that someone can live all these different lives on screen. Like, when I first met her, I really thought, okay, here's a kind of Brandy Glanville single mom who's a bit, you know, down and out, and she's going to use the show to... Nothing to lose. You know, she's got nothing to lose. Yeah, she's going to be a bit scrappy. She's going to put these OG, like, ruffle some feathers. Kind of thought, like, season three, Beverly Hills, Brandy Glanville vibes from her. Then she had this like incredibly fascinating but also terrifying mother-daughter relationship, um, which made mm-hmm. Dorothy and Candace look like they got on really well. Like it was like it was yeah, like, Linda one is. of the most mm-hmm. one of the most disturbing mother-daughter relationships I think I've seen on Housewives. And then she had that, which was really interesting, also for different reasons. And then 
she really kind of was getting it. She was showing herself as someone who is quite an independent thinker. I thought like, I think one thing that annoys me with people that come on housewives shows is when they don't understand that being popular within the group is not the whole assignment. Like it's, you've got to be popular with the audience as well. And I think someone like Anne-Marie, for example, um, who's on her first season in Beverly Hills is an example of someone who kind of comes on and then ends up being someone's psychic because they don't understand that being popular within the group is not the same as being popular with the audience. And I think um, Monica played a really interesting game because she kind of wasn't really, and I guess she had the opportunity to do so because she wasn't anyone's like bestie. Like right. she was kind of friends with Angie, but like not so weird that it would be like, if she threw Angie. I mean, her, bus, her connection to the did. group was Jen Shaw, who's not even on the show anymore. Right. right. So she had this sort of perfect opportunity because she had, she didn't have to show any loyalty to the person who got her on the show. So true. Which is it's such a poison challenge in Housewives, isn't it? Like when people come on and they either... Uh, throw the person completely under the bus so the audience don't trust them or they just kiss their ass the whole time and then they don't have their own group so she had a really interesting opportunity and i think that she went with it like she forged a really interesting role for herself in the group as this kind of sister antagonist Mm -hmm. i think if where she went a little bit wrong was i think that she was probably i think we'll look back at the meredith dm as the moment where it all fell apart i feel like i think if she'd never done that none of this would have well, happened or, or if we never confirmed that it was her that did the dms because it's a different oh, account it's a honey, different it it's her. a different <laughs> I, I mean i believe it but i believe that but we have not like technically no, we don't true. know if it was her I, I believe it was, it was her. her too yeah but i agree I that she mishandled that situation overall i agree and i but i actually i don't think that she masterminded it like that i think that she sort of saw the opportunity and was like oh, I, this looks like it's Meredith. So I'm mm. just going to bring it up because right. maybe she was worried that Meredith would bring up that she, like they were talking about that stuff. So she beat her to it. And I mean, it really worked. I was convinced it was Meredith. So we, yes, right. you're right. We don't have, we don't have the hundred percent, but, but I, agree. If I was to bet. I would yeah. say. Yeah. And, and Monica said, Monica went live on Instagram for almost like two hours after the finale aired on the East coast. And I watched pretty much the whole thing and she didn't really spill like that much tea. But one thing that she said was that, at the beginning of the Bermuda trip, she did sort of get this hunch that the reality Von T's thing was going to be revealed at some point. She claimed that she like said that to a producer and she sort of had this hunch and and this thing. So maybe that explains why she brings up the DM to sort of, uh, you know, r- deflect from that a little bit. But then she had that moment with Heather on the beach where she's like, I don't believe any of you guys do that, but I would do that. And like that, right. that as Heather said in the, sh- in the episode, which was comment. sort of like her, her kind of fatal flaw. She kind of can't help herself, but, but reveal things, but say the thing that's on her mind. Like she doesn't have the filter that, that I think women learn to have uh, as some of the best housewives. Just one thing we were talking about the predecessor thing. There was a tweet that I wanted to read out um, from the read feed at the read feed, um, which really spoke to me that the Salt Lake City finale felt like a lot of things. But for me, it felt like something out of a scream movie. Jane being the original ghost face long gone, but a new ghost face rises in their place. Their origin tied to the original, an epic sequel to the Jen Shah saga, prestige television. But I agree with that in mm-hmm. the sense that yeah. it did feel like that, didn't it? It felt like a passing of the baton, like in the Saw movies when he dies and he's got <laughs> his, and he's been training his um like you know protege to carry on the legacy it's we're sort of like that except it's interesting because her and jen are essentially enemies so but she learned from her really, too yeah she learned from the best one thing that i'm obsessed with which i know that you've posted about on social media is she was in that footage on cctv oh my god in the i know store. that's one but of the little I'm reveals like disapp- i'm disappointed in the bravo fandom because like 
that is the sort of thing that I would have expected people to notice. Like right. we saw that footage, what, in season two? Like whenever that- I know, came. you're so right. And we they showed us it, but I do think actually it was kind of like a situation, if we went back, it's like, it was a situation where like the, the specific person was kind of like lit up and everybody else I wonder was, if she was I blurred think, out. I wonder, if she, I wonder if she was blurred Maybe. out anyway, because they didn't know who she was. Because they, they, you That's know how they true. do it. They'll blur out the face yeah. if they can't have somebody sign a release. So, and she had the blonde hair. I think the 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 thing you just read sort of gets at, you know, as we keep going through the episode, I think Heather being the person to get this information and to be the one to reveal it is also perfect because she was the one that was so was a Jen Shaw apologist. She was Jen Shaw Shaw's right hand woman. And and she was, I think, for her to be the one to, I mean, she was leading this game at dinner and then she kind of right. turns it on Monica. She has Meredith's doll, but she turns it on Monica and and she's sort of like, you know, we all rallied around you. And and you know, Monica and Heather were getting really close in those last couple of weeks. Like they were, that was the person that Monica, I think, saw as her sort of inroads with the group. And and Heather's like, you know, we we really had a great time. We were, you were charming, funny, witty. You're smarter than a lot of people think you are. And then she just sort oh, of God, like, I loved, I yeah. loved that the monologue at the dinner. It was table. Really I think good. that was my that was my favorite bit. And I think when she said smarter than people think we are, I think that's when Monica knew what was yeah, going totally. like, what was yeah. about to happen. You could kind of see it on her face, like, here we go. I don't feel like we know who the real Monica is. The real Monica is someone who doesn't really want to be our friend, but wants to profit off our li- our lives and pain, which is something she had said before to the OGs. I know who you really are and who you really are is dot, dot, dot. And then it cuts to the beach <laughs> two hours earlier, which again, we're back at the OG summit. And again, it's really artful the way they're doing this. I'm glad they didn't cut to commercial. Oh, at least. It's kind of like, do you know, have you heard of the Wagatha Christie? Story. oh my god of course of course right. i have so it's kind of like the account dot 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 like rebecca so Hardy's true. Account. same like effect. it's it's a it's similar reveal like the sort of the sort of monologue setting it all up and then the dot 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 it's rebecca Hardy's account yeah, no, I, that's a really good through line. And, you know, back on the beach, Heather is basically like, you know, we've been through a lot together. We, we're we, the OGs. We, yeah, we're the OGs. Like Monica's not who she says she is. And she reveals that she's this account or reality Von Tees, which I'm assuming nobody had really heard about. It didn't even really have that many followers. It so had like I had heard of it, but I'm like so online. But like it has like, like oh you know, it has like 5,000 exactly followers, right? So it's a fairly, it, like all things considered, it's not a huge, it wasn't a huge troll oh. slash fan account. But, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I think that one of the common party lines about Real House of the Salt Lake City is that it's all these women who hate each other and they're just coworkers <laughs> who like who like film together yeah. for for to for it to be real housewives and like they like they don't really have like kind of anything anything in with one another. But I think that this moment sort of directly kind of goes against that because it's yeah, maybe mm. when they first started, they didn't really have the bonds, but now they certainly do. They've been through a they actually have been through a lot together. I mean, I think the gen <laughs> stuff is enough to bond you, but this this moment, I mean, we even saw Angie's not even included in this little summit. Like, it's just the four main women of this show who are coming together and they're sort of trauma bonding through this whole thing. And I think it's, I think it's, they they kind of, you know, they, they closed ranks a little bit on this. Mm. And it's, it was smart of them, I think, to do that. Yeah. And I think realistically, I see why they didn't include Angie because it yeah. was, she's, it was her first season as a full housewife. And really, to be honest, I think, I mean, I think Angie's got her. Uh, I think everyone has got their, apart from possibly Monica, has got their snowflake very much sewn up for next season anyway. Mm-hmm. But I think that if Angie had been included in that, she definitely would have done. But I still think that she's definitely done enough to be on the show again. Yeah, you're right. It was like a very sort of 
interesting moment of like coming together that we haven't really seen on that show so mm-hmm. far and it's interesting that that was the thing to bond them not like their friend going to prison but um <laughs> yeah it's interesting because they all had such different opinions on that whereas they were all kind of like undeniably victims of this situation and you're right like heather's definitely felt to me on the show like a bit she sort of feels like someone who was maybe like not the cool girl in high school yeah she's always seemed to be desperate to be like remember on girls trip when she was basically like a totally fat um, she's desperate to be in in the in crowd, and I think that's part of the reason why she let Jen treat her the way she did because she just like had a thing. I think she admitted this herself at various points, but she just like wanted to be liked by her. So I thought that it was really she was the perfect person to deliver that message, and and it was a moment of growth for her, as you said. Like I'm not going to mm-hmm. do this again. I would have liked to have seen. I mean, I don't know if I'm skipping ahead here, so tell me if I am. Okay. But um. I would have loved to have seen a little bit more. I mean, I know it was a big dramatic moment, but in future, I would like to see more accountability from her for mm. the whole gen of it all. Like, I feel like the monologue ran a little bit hollow to me where she was like, I had to lie for her. I had to yeah, go on book I agree. I had to lie about the black eye. Like, girl, no, you didn't. Everyone was asking you straight up if it was Jen and you lied about it. So I would love to see a little bit more like, yeah, that was my choice. Like she was kind of acting like she was held over, like yeah, held at gunpoint and forced to lie. I know, I know. Which I thought was a little bit like, come on. She's never fully kind of grasped the right way to talk about Jen and her relationship with her and how she's sort of cowered in her presence and sort of in her shadow a little bit. And I, I agree. It's like, even in this moment, and I, and I do think that it was smart of her to sort of, she stood up at the table at the end and was sort of like, you know, she was she's kind of delivering her final blow. And I think for her to use this opportunity as sort of a two for one to like also put the black eye thing to rest, I think it was actually really smart of Heather. Even I think though it was now, so smart. Even though now so Jen smart. Shaw is like denying that that it was her and, and whatever. But either way, I think that Heather using this moment to put the nail in the coffin on that, put the nail in the coffin on Monica, I think as at least as she thought, was really smart. And I agree. It's this sort of ascension moment for her of like, she's no longer the the uncool girl. She's no longer the, the the person that gets cast aside. Like she is one of the Supremes of this show, which is one of the best Housewives franchises. And I think that I'd like to see her step into that power more. On that, like, I'm going to be fully honest. This has not been one of my favorite Housewives franchises until this season. Mm. I actually actively dislike Salt Lake City wow. until this season. I love the first season. I thought it had this really like interesting interesting chaos and like the whole mormon thing was so new to me like i'm not from america so it was like really interesting and the cast was like kind of and for that time on the house i was quite diverse um mm-hmm. and it had just like all these bizarre characters like people that are married to their step-grandfather and all that stuff and i loved all of that but then the second season i think that they all collectively got the sort of what i call second season derangement syndrome where yeah. they come back and they're very different to how they were. Um, I, but instead of it being kind of one housewife, it was, I think all of them became very, they, I think they got very hot. Yeah, yeah, they got high on their own supply, I think a little bit. And then the whole Jen Shah thing, as we've sort of mentioned earlier, it did just kind of become this very central thing that this show couldn't quite ever, I think it's not just Heather that couldn't talk about it. I think the show for a bunch of reasons, legal reasons and things like that, people not showing up to reunions when right. they should have done all these types of things. I think the show never, maybe it's a limitation of the medium or a limitation of the people that they were following, but the show really couldn't tell that story in a way that I found interesting, especially because the women of Salt Lake City, if there's one thing they're gonna do, it's all argue at the same time about different things. So I 
prefer Housewives when it's like one or two central feuds of a season and you can really kind of like, like for instance, the Kyle and Sutton feud in Beverly Hills. I like that it's kind of the central feud of the season and you can kind of be like, I think that person's right, but wrong, but right, but wrong. Yeah, about yeah. All these kind of little things. That's what I prefer personally, but Salt Lake City's always felt like a bit of a kind of circular like scream fest for me and I've never really been able to quite like get on board with that. But I will say this season, there's definitely been some circular screaming, but it's been... Mm-hmm a lot lighter without Jen. I think that it's just been like a room to breathe that there wasn't before, which I think is has been refreshing to see. And I feel like people are finally able to be themselves now because they're not, I think they weren't scared anymore. I think that there was a lot of them that were quite scared of Jen, scared of putting a foot wrong about that situation for whatever reason. And there wasn't that same fear going into this season that there was in the last season. Yeah, no, I think you're that's totally on point. Like I've always said that Salt Lake was sort of this franchise that was burning very quickly and very brightly and i was really mm-hmm. scared that their flame was going to just kind of like extinguish Completely. itself basically and yeah like something so bad it, would happen yeah that it would just yeah, have to like, yeah it it, it's, it's basically housewives on steroids honestly and i think that it was really smart of them that once jen was taken out of the equation for them to step back and be like there was a kind of a reset right it was kind of like okay we have to lower the stakes a little bit and and just kind of like give us kind of more a more classic housewives season and i think you're right this is definitely their best it's i think there's a there's a reason why people are talking about it so much. And, you know, I've, I've said that, like, to me, Salt Lake City is sort of the first true post Instagram housewives and that like, Mm -hmm. it's really a a lot of it is about sort of the appearances and and how things seem and they're very aware of filming a TV show and making moments. And that's not that's not derogatory. Like, I actually think that it made a really interesting sort of meta show for the whole time that they've been going i think that like like jen shaw was so aware that she was filming a show and i think they're all a lot of them in the back of their head are sort of thinking okay i'm not going to be liked but i want to still be liked by the audience I, I but we also have to mix up our alliances in the show a lot like i think there's a lot of sort of awareness of the cameras and like i think you saw in heather's build up of the moment like she knew that she had to build that moment up but i think that what's truly sort of next level about this episode obviously is that the mastermind of a fan account made it onto the cast. Their identity was revealed. And that is something that like, it's one of the like most meta things you can kind of conceive of when it comes to Real Housewives, right? It's like there is this cottage industry of fan accounts. And for one of them to somehow infiltrate the actual show and then be revealed is sort of like, it's kind of twists your mind a little bit. And yeah. I'm curious what I'm curious if you think about, you know, it's obviously this epic moment, but like, is it a it's a tough precedent, I think, to set. Is it a is it a shark jump moment? Is that what you're asking? Is, kind is of. It a shark I mean, jump I, moment? it can become that if they don't yeah. proceed in the future in the right way. Mm. I've been thinking about this a lot because I I saw your tweet about, and it's such an interesting. And someone else posted, um, I can't remember who the app was, but someone else posted something like, "Wow, like Bravo fandom, like get applying for Housewives now because like we could make it yeah. on the show or something like that." It's interesting. I worry that that might. In the long game, when we look back at the Housewives franchise in like year two thousand and billion, when Andy Cohen is still presenting, <laughs> like an, an AI Andy Cohen is still presenting from beyond the grave, I think we may look back at this as like a big turning point. It's almost like when the royal family in the UK started letting commoners marry into the royal family. You know, mm. um, it's it's like the Kate Middleton episodes in the most recent series right. of The Crown, where where yeah, her where her mom's a super fan and she's like, I need to get my my daughter on this show. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I don't think actually what's new is the kind of fan account element. Yeah. But really, this whole vibe of women, 
you know, moving cities to be on Housewives, like like really campaigning hard to get on the show and women who are fans of the show doing that. That has really been going on for a very long time. Like, I think that the dynamic of a fan being on the show isn't new. Yes, a fan of Karen being on the show is new. And maybe that goes back to what you were saying about Salt Lake City and sort of Instagramness of it all. But And also I think it's kind of unique to Salt Lake City, perhaps, that it's quite a small ecosystem. And the that account really traded on what I perceived to be like lots of local gossip that was, um, you know, I mean, you couldn't make up a hair hairstylist. What better job could there be oh my for, God. Running, for running a gossip account? It's like in Salt Lake City, right? Exactly. Yeah. In Salt Lake City. They, maybe that's something about Salt Lake City. Yeah, and I think you're right. I was thinking also about the, the element you were saying about the Instagram and the appearances of it all. Maybe that's also something to do with Salt Lake City. You know, I have uh, a few friends from Salt Lake City and they do say that it's a lot about, you know, the church and the sort of present presentation of things and things yeah. not being quite what they seem and things like that and people acting one way in public and another in private and maybe that kind of dual life that the church creates for some people sets the groundwork for all of this stuff that we're talking about maybe that's something that's unique to salt lake city in, t- in terms of that place because all these housewives places don't they they like let us into the vibe of a place don't they you know yeah, overseas but so it's right. owned by from beverly hills and they're really close together geographically like Maybe that's something to do with Salt Lake City, that there's all these kind of scheming and, um, you know, investigating and stuff. Maybe that's how people in Salt Lake yeah, City behave. And, and it's, listen, I think that you have may have made excellent points. And it was interesting when Heather, I think, you know, Heather obviously was a really good narrator in this episode. But I think one of the things that she did a really good job of in that narration was sort of connecting the way that Monica has acted all season and sort of like the way that she handles information to that of somebody who runs an account like that. Right. It's like they, Mm -hmm. she said like she was so quick to share with the world about her own life because she was so used to exposing everybody else. And I think that that was such an interesting connection for her to make. And again, it's sort of like person made their way into the show and I don't know how she wins back the trust of all these other women. I think the rest of the episode plays out and it's sort of like they all kind of have their moment of like, you know, you said this about me and like they all kind of have their moment of like going against Monica and like being like, you know, this is how you sort of uh, sort of hurt me. And Monica has maintained, I guess, that she she was only on the account to sort of take down Jen. She didn't make the account. There were other people that were talking shit about all the other women. And as you said, she said that they were all collateral damage. I guess first, do you think that distinction is important mm-hmm. at the end of the day that she if she was the one that was actually talking shit because because at the end of the day she knew about the account she knew who was running it and she didn't she didn't reveal that until somebody else revealed it for her at the very end of the season i don't really buy buy that distinction to yeah. be honest with you i think that like she was i think that she was probably doing you know doing all the things that were on the account i think that one thing i loved about monica <laughs> is in her confessional when she was like there's actually a whole lot more to the story. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's so smart because one thing that she understands as a reality star is that you never want to get to the end of the story because when you get to the end of the story, there's nothing more, you know? Mm. And like, she needs... She's giving herself a lifeline. She needs to give... Yeah, if we still feel like there's more of this story to come, like who was behind the account? It's other people, do they know more than it seemed about the account? Did one of the other housewives know she was involved in this like there's a lot more i think that could come out and i think that she's smart to leave us wanting a little bit more like i'm excited to hear more about it at the reunion she was smart to just leave like mm-hmm. like the leave the table when she was asked to because it gave her the opportunity to like give us some more i think that the thing you said about heather saying that about monica sharing her own information i thought that was interesting but i've always thought with monica 
the there's an interesting thing where we perceive people being a quote unquote open book as like mm-hmm. them being authentic. You know, she shared her own mugshot on Instagram. She was the first person to talk about the affair. She's very much like, here's all my mess. Right. That's her vibe. And she gives, like you said, the the appearance of being someone who is very unfiltered, who just like says what she thinks, who's outspoken. We then as viewers think that she's trustworthy, I think, and authentic because she is, you know, not afraid to talk about her own mess. Little did we know she's got this whole scheming like web of like secret identity and Instagram that she'd been hiding from the audience. So it's interesting that, yeah, like we can get kind of, I mean, Heather kind of said that herself. I think you can get taken in by someone who seems like an open book, but really actually they're just still telling you what they want you to hear. Like they're not telling you the whole story. It's an interesting life lesson. Yeah, no, I think it. you're absolutely right. I think that she's so savvy in the way that she has operated and and kind of gotten ahead of all these stories and even going live the other i mean after the episode on instagram live like she was answering a lot of fan questions but she also was only really answering the ones that she had the right answers to and the mm-hmm. ones that she uh that that could kind of vindicate her i would say and there was a lot of a lot of people were asking questions that weren't being answered and like for example why did she lie about it being the first time she'd been at Meredith's store when clearly she had been there before. There, there are little things that, you know, maybe that's not, doesn't feel as consequential as some of the bigger things that were revealed, but like that hurts her credibility as, as, as a, a, a presenter of information and a, 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 somebody sharing her side of the story. Like if you're lying about something little, what else are you lying mm-hmm. about? Right. Also what that detail, like when I want to know when that came out, like I know. from the beach to the table, Meredith somehow knew that that was her or did Meredith already know? And then she's like, wow, this just confirms what I've been thinking about. Like I was Meredith right. waiting to bring, was Meredith waiting to bring that out at the dinner table? Like on the fin- like, was she like trying to save her credibility and like had that in her back pocket? Like, I want to know like when that came yeah. out. Yeah. You know? It's almost like, I mean, we, we saw, we got so much of Heather giving the monologues and sharing her side of how this all came out. But like, it's almost like I want that individual treatment for each of the other <laughs> We were each of the other four women because it's like, I want to know what they were doing in those four hours between when Heather got the phone call and dinner or those two hours between the OG summit and dinner. What, what sort of planning, who are they contacting back in Salt Lake? Like it's, we need a documentary. We need a documentary, Louie. (laughs) I know we do. Another thing I'd love to get your take on is I really liked ending the season on a cast trip. I've never Mm. seen that before. Like, and actually, if you think about it, it feels a lot more natural having this big kind of explosive ending at the end of a cast trip because they've been together in a confined space, drinking alcohol and whatnot for days now. So, you know, we've been on trips ourselves with friends. By that point in a trip, you're very like connected to the people. Of course. And um, emotions are often running high, you're tired, etc. So it really felt like the perfect backdrop to have this like dramatic sort of season finale evening. Like sometimes I feel like with the regular shows the finale kind of feels a bit flat because it's like someone's event or whatever and the main drama has actually already happened so then they're just kind of turning up again to kind of like argue about the main drama or like someone says something that then they have to make a much bigger deal out of it because they know it's the finale party and stuff like that so this kind of felt to me like they didn't all really know this was the finale and that they just kind of had to make it the finale because it was just so there's no way of topping that but I really felt like that contributed to why it was so good. There wasn't really people coming in being like, I need to really like secure my, Solidify my contract. Season. Yeah. yeah, like I like it, there's all those kind of dynamics to the finale normally that I find a bit tiresome. So 
this was really nice to end it on that way and just have them like still in Bermuda at the end. Like, I didn't even have to watch them traveling home or anything. You know, I, I totally agree. And, and sometimes those like one or two post-trip episodes they give us before the finale can just feel like just such filler yeah. and so like inconsequential, you know, or just waiting for that last that last episode. So I totally agree. I think that it was refreshing. I think it made it a little bit more authentic in terms of what the women, how the women were operating and sort of what that, and sort of those tensions sort of naturally running high versus them just... Uh, you know, heightening them for the sake of the finale. You know, I, I agree. It's it's kind of an interesting production point of view on it, which is like, what happens when they don't know what the last episode is? What happens when they don't know and filming is is ending? I think that's a really good uh, thing to flag because one of my questions I wanted to ask you was like, what kind of ripple effect does this have on other franchises? Right? I think we saw we saw rip, the ripple effect of Scandal. I think earlier this year, sort of on Southern Charm and on Summer House, where they're quite similar sort of big breakup or cheating scandal kind of things. What do you think the ripple effect of this is on other franchises? Is it something like that where the the sort of ending of the season can be a little bit more malleable or is there something else that comes into play? I think, yeah, definitely the end of the season, I would love to see a more flexible approach to the end of the seasons rather than these kind of, as I said, conscious finale events. Because I don't really feel like that's how friendship groups actually operate. Like, the, like there's no way where we're like, okay, we're going to see each other here and then not <laughs> right. see each other again. Before. It's like, it just doesn't really feel um very authentic i guess i'd be interested in seeing how this affects people really leaning into villainy because we had mm. obviously scandal and i wouldn't really say either of them either of the main culprits of scandal leaned into the villainy at all i think they mm. were uh, very kind of like ashamed of it and disturbed by it essentially but monica her behavior has been really interesting on social because she has really like not shied away from the whole thing has she she's like she had a photo please tune in right <laughs> please please tune into the finale like i'm i really want you to see it. i'm so proud of it like blah, blah blah and she's like extremely um happy about the whole thing and she's not shying away from it so i think this idea of like villainy is an interesting one i think that across the franchises the women have been scared of being the villain because mm -hmm. i agree i think a social media aspect of it is the they're worried that the fans will turn against them so much. There's, it's a really tough job being a It is, guy. it is. It's a, it's a tough balance. You have to bring it, but then not bring it too much so that everyone hates you. Then you have to have haters, but not too many. You have to change, but not become so different that you're a different person. It's like really villain. difficult. You have to be a villain, but also have a way back right. in the past, which Monica maybe, doesn't have. Yeah, Maybe the way that Monica has messed this up. I think she's played like almost the perfect game. Almost. I was thinking though that like, really what you could do is have like a couple of new people joining the cast but it would be then a big cast but you could have or you you could have one person but then they might end up just being her sidekick but yeah i think you know there have been occasions in the housewives history where one of the housewives had been on the outs with all the other women and that they have find a way of making it work ultimately that housewife tends to run out of steam after a few seasons because i don't think you can really keep that up unless you move on like like part of being a good housewife is moving on and like um giving, but I'm, not yeah. I'm, I'm not sure any of these women are wanting to do that with her and i'm honestly not really sure what the benefit to them would be to doing that so that's what i think i think i think that they closed ranks really smartly from their perspective which is like they i don't love when housewives try to ice somebody out but in this case it's sort of like i can see exactly why they did and wanted to do that and like i just don't see a world in which she can realistically be brought back because no, literally none of them will ever trust her again. And she seems to think that like Whitney or Meredith could like 
be sort of her bridge in. She did this Instagram live with Dana, who was on last season. And I guess she was supposed to be on this season in some capacity, but she said like she had to drop out or something so she could be her bridge maybe. But like how much is she connected to everybody else? I don't know. I just think that it's a little bit far-fetched. And I think obviously the the OGs are hoping that it's them plus Angie and then they can add probably one or two other people to 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 fill out the cast. I just... I tweeted that I think that Monica will be the most impactful one season housewife. And I think yeah. I'm standing by that. I think that I just, I just don't see a world in which she's on season five. Well, you know, what I want, I want them to bring her back for season nine when Jen Shah <laughs> rejoins the show. Listen, I would, that would be epic. That'd be epic. Yeah. Maybe she did. Maybe she takes a break and maybe she goes on a girl's yeah, trip. I don't can, know. Who knows? She can only come back when Jen. Yeah. So I think that's an interesting one though. That's a really good point that you've just made because now we have this ever-expanding Housewives Bravo universe, which is something I've written a lot about. Um, Mm -hmm. There are places for someone like Monica if it's not on Salt Lake City. It could be a girl's trip. It could Mm -hmm. be on a show like House of Villains. I'd love to see Monica on The Traitors, for example. Like there, There are shows that she would do really well on that aren't Salt Lake City. I think that she's someone who the fans are going to demand to see more of. But yeah, I mm-hmm. kind of agree with you. If I was to bet, I mean, anything can happen in the Housewives. Totally, world. totally. There's um, no, there's not a 0% happened. chance. I think it's a very, very, very anything happen. I will say all of them are saying after filming the reunion that they don't want to film with her or that they think it's unlikely that they'll film with her. So if they're saying that after the reunion, a lot can happen in a reunion, can't it? Mm-hmm. We, we've seen that in the past. But, you know, I don't know. Essentially, the women will do what Bravo tells them to do. None of them are going to quit right. the show because Monica's on it. There's been such an outpouring of fans love, love for her. her. They really do. Yeah. And she's so polarizing. I've never seen a housewife that's so polarizing. I don't think. Not even Kelly Dodd. Like, she's extremely, <laughs> yeah, extremely polarizing down the middle. If Bravo decides to take another shot on her, then I think that they'll get into line. Do I think that they'll be friends with her? I, no, but I mean... The Salt Lake City, as you said, if there's one franchise to be on that where well, you're not friends with anybody, it's Salt Lake City because yeah, you're right. They hate each other. But yeah. I was back to what you were saying earlier. Like, will this have changed that? Like, now are these women going to be more bonded, or is it going to be like all oh, bets are off next season? We're back to hating each other. You you think they're bonded? I think that they're. I think that they are trauma bonded over this. I really do. And they, 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 I think they see themselves as like one housewife can't be like, I'm I'm going to refuse to film with this person if they're back on the show. But if the four OGs are saying the yeah, same you're thing, right. that's a lot of power. They're basically unionized yeah. in the show. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, they have uh, bargaining like, power. I, I feel this. bad for her in a way because it's not like she's like, it's not like she's like punched someone or no. like, you know, and like she, and she rightfully compared terrible. it to the reaction to Jen's stuff, which I think is an interesting right. com- yeah, like comparison. Jen got arrested by the FBI and still got allowed to continue on the show for, you know, a whole other season when she, uh, and, right. you know, I do think I do have a lot of sympathy for the argument that, you know, they are making this huge deal out of her Instagram. I think because it victimizes them personally, which I also do understand. They feel they feel personally affected by this, whereas they don't, didn't feel like personally victimized by Jen in the same way. But I do think, yeah, like Heather admits to writing so hard for this, like you know, self admitted felon man, fraudster. But this Instagram is really not on that level. So I I have sympathy for that argument that like is is what she did really that bad? I think that it's almost like scandal, like you know comparing it to that as well i think these true crime housewives things have added this really interesting dimension where you could basically make the argument with anything like you know they had an affair they didn't 
you know, steal millions of dollars from the elderly or plane crash victims or whoever else. So it's sort of added a whole other column to the like betrayal because mm-hmm. before this would have been the limit kind of of that type of betrayal. But yeah, I, I think that we'll probably won't see her again if I was to bet today, but you honestly just don't know what's going to happen, do you? I wouldn't You're surprise right. me either. Yeah. yeah, and I think that going back to what you said is like she played almost a perfect game. She almost got it fully right. But I think that the one thing that she sort of not misread, but just kind of mishandled it. She's being totally unapologetic about it. And it, and I'm guessing that she's the same on the reunion. You know, she brings this burn book and she's like, she's kind of going, again, she's leaning into the, to the villain of it all. And I appreciate that. But in terms of her future on the show, it's hard. She, ha- I think she has to take ownership of like something that they're taking issue with. Otherwise, right. again, there's like, it's just showing this like sort of this sort of wall of like, no, I'm not going to admit anything I did wrong. And you guys are all wrong to think that I'm the villain here, yada, yada, yada. It was actually other other people running the account. No, I, I agree with you. I think that like, if she went to the reunion, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen at the reunion, but I think if she went to the reunion and kind of like ate them up and was really sassy about the sort of other arguments they had throughout the season, but then was very apologetic about this. I think that that would probably have gone a little bit further yeah, to I agree. helping her case. Like you have to leave like a spark available for reconciliation with somebody, mm-hmm. I think. But, yeah. you know, it's interesting. Like I wouldn't have thought that the cast of Vanderpump Rules would be on good terms with Thomas Sandoval. And I think that we're going to see some really You're interesting right. twists and turns in the upcoming season, which starts in a few weeks. About that, you know, there was the, the vibe of the reunion was very much like we never want to speak to either of them again. So now that they're when you're when they're that's the thing about these shows when you're right you know, in a normal friendship group, you would just like never speak. You would block them, delete everything, like ice them out completely. But on this, it's not really possible to do that in the same way. I think what you've said though is an interesting dilemma, isn't it? Is it like it's really testing in the in today's Bravo verse? who is more powerful, the housewives or the fans? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if if the, the all of the housewives are saying they don't want to film with someone because they don't like them, and let's not forget, it's reality television. So if, if that's their reality, that they don't want to film the show with them, then that's their reality. If they're saying that, are the fans who are desperate to see more of this, this character, this woman, <laughs> this evil villain on the show, <laughs> Monica, right? um, are they, are they going to be listened to more mm. a part of me thinks that they might be purely because monica wasn't a villain the whole time like mm-hmm. we actually we've only really seen like one episode of her being the villain and i suppose it's kind of like scandal again in the way that when you look back at everything before it changed like this revelation changed of course, everything. in hindsight so it's almost like the opposite way around isn't it because we learned about scandal very early on in that season so we had that big reveal already um whereas this was a total, total yeah. surprise i think that we haven't really seen her being the villain that long because you know we had her as i mentioned at the start when we were chatting she kind of came in at this kind of almost like you know she had the scene with the bag and she she was very almost like an underdog that you wanted to see succeeding at that but i actually think that the fans maybe like her so much because and i think they will like her even more after this because she is a hustler like there is something unmistakably impressive about one of going, us kind of totally about going from obsessed housewife fan to making it on the show and then not not acting like a fan when you got on the show. I think that like it's different when women act like you know when they act like a fan. Yeah, they the can't show. contain like, themselves, right? Right. She's, she's still like, in control. Oh, like, yeah, in that she's way, very controlled. Like I didn't really get that vibe from her at all mm-hmm. for the first half of the show. Like I honestly got that vibe more from like Heather and stuff like that. And Angie, her. honestly, yeah, yeah. Oh, my completely. I mean, <laughs> yeah, completely. Angie was like the number one fan of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, 
desperate to be on camera the whole time and be in the center of things. So yeah, I certainly didn't get that impression from her. So yeah, I think there's something to fans that aspirational about that and relatable probably. Yeah, is her totally claw- clawing her way onto the show. I agree. The last thing I think I'll I want to say to that is like a couple seasons ago on Beverly Hills, they really kind of tore down the fourth wall with some of the Denise stuff and and kind of all that. But they kind of quickly built it back up the next season. Like Denise wasn't around, and we sort of. We didn't acknowledge the cameras for a little bit on there. And I think that Bravo likes to, you know, make a little hole in the fourth wall, but I don't think they like to fully tear it down. And this is this is a fourth wall breaking moment of epic proportions. And I kind of am wondering, again, if you bring her back, then the fourth wall just stays down and it's not built back right. up on, on Salt Lake. And I think that circles back to what we were saying earlier of like, maybe that's just intrinsic to the DNA of Salt Lake, you know, as a sort of, again, sort of like post Instagram sort of housewives on steroids kind of show. But I also don't know if that's a, if that's sort of a risk that Bravo is willing to take. So I don't know. I, I, those are the wheels that are turning in my mind as it comes to that big decision they have to make about Monica. To me, like, this thing reminds me more of Puppygate than the Denise thing. I mean, the Denise thing we was like bravo, bravo, bravo. We saw, yeah, of course. But it wasn't. It wasn't like about breaking the fourth wall. Whereas Pup- Puppygate was very much like the whole storyline was someone leaking to the press, right? Sure. And then being accused of that. So it's it's got more of those types of elements. I'd say that Puppygate was like one of the most influential kind of moments in. I think so too. And, but I suppose that like, what's interesting is there's clear parallels, right? Someone being accused of doing that, and then. Um, but what's different about this is that Monica's like like straight up admitted to it. I mean, there was I think there was such indisputable proof that she probably yeah. was smart enough to know that there was no way she could have gotten out of it. So, I mean, she kind of you could see her the, when it was first brought up. You could sort of see her brain like, um, like <laughs> am I going to deny this or am I just going to? Yeah, yeah, totally. She was she was trying to figure out her story. Yeah, yeah, and I think that the, but I, if there was one housewives that I'd say in the terms of the whole Instagram stuff, I think Beverly Hills is quite similar in terms of the level to which social media, Instagram, press, the yeah. press features on that show. It's, and maybe that also says something about Beverly Hills, that it's, you know, the land of entertainment and I guess people presenting versions of their life that are yeah. more affluent and things like that. I think that those two shows have that in common a little bit, but it's just, yes, such an interesting one to see how this is going to, change as it goes into the next season i'm mm-hmm. extremely excited for when they start filming again i'm interested to see whether they're going how much of a break they're going to have um, i know me too whether because i think there was a phase where they went through this thing of doing like not long breaks at all like jumping back in quite soon right. and actually if i remember correctly i don't remember that being so successful so i think it might work better to like let the dust settle a little bit um, i think so too the- well, I think that, that, that the longer they wait, the longer, the, the better chance Monica has to join the show again, <laughs> I, I think. I have to say on the show. Yeah, I really think that. Um, yeah. Well, Louis is, Louis, is there anything else about this finale, the future of Salt Lake that you want to say before we wrap it up? Because I feel like we've covered a lot of our bases. The future of Salt Lake. I would like to see a couple of newbies. I feel mm-hmm. like I'm done with Mary Cosby now. I don't need to Are see you? her again. I think that like, the whole not wanting to film thing was funny like once or twice. And then I was kind of just like, this is just boring to me. My read on the Mary Cosby situation is that I think that she went in with that. And then she kind of like dropped out of filming after that trip, basically. And then I think that she, re- she wasn't invited back to events because she wasn't, she was kind of phoning it in. And then I think that she realized that she kind of overplayed her hand. And then she did those pickup scenes with people at her house. And I think that she, and now she's like showing up to events. She showed up to the reunion. Mm-hmm. 
I, I think yeah. she's re-engaging because I think she realizes she okay. actually does want to be on the show. So I think that if they brought her brought Mary back, that she would actually be re-engaged, but maybe I'm giving her too much. Credit. Okay. Well, <laughs> fair enough. I wouldn't I wouldn't mind a friend off role for her then if okay. she's going to be re-engaged. Um and honestly, before the finale, I was thinking of demotion for Meredith to friend of for mm, a season. Interesting. I just feel like she could have been made to like work a little bit more. And I think that it would have been good to just disrupt those OGs a little bit and make them realize that, you know, they're, sure. they, that they're not um, indispensable. I think that's extremely unlikely now because of all the things we were talking about. I think about so too. Scene, I think that that's just like never going to happen, but going into it, it could have been a possibility. So yeah, I'd like to see a, some newbies, like some, some friends of maybe, I don't know if they need to be a, a housewife, but I'd like to see some newbies being brought in because I think the Salt Lake in general has actually done quite well with new cast members. Angie K is obviously was on it as a friend of we've had monica and obviously there have been some people that haven't yeah, been we don't continued in the same staying, way right exactly yeah but i think in general compared to a show like beverly hills i think they seem to do they have a better hit rate with new people um maybe there's something about the small ecosystem maybe it's like new jersey like they have a smaller world that they can draw from and maybe that leads to more organic connections or something i'm not right. sure I like. I want to see them moving forward i think with housewives i always like it when they're moving forward i don't Me like too. to see too much rehashing I know that that's not really fair to do that to these women, to be like, you must move forward from your whole <laughs> life from one season to the next. But I do like to see progression and new things. So I hope that we can see new drama and that the fans realize that this Monica thing isn't going to happen every year and that that's okay. Yeah, totally. Uh, I think those are all all great points. Louis, tell, tell people where they can find your writing, where they can follow you, because uh, this is a great chat. I'm sure people want to hear more from you. So I'm on X formerly Twitter, um, at Louis Staples, L-O-U-I-S, that's how you spell it. So Louis to Americans. And Instagram at the same handle as well. So yeah, find me on there. I post all my work there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this. And uh, we'll, we'll have to have you back soon for another, for maybe to talk about your next article. Right. I can't wait. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you for listening to the show. Subscribe to Gabbing with Gabe on any podcast platform to listen to new episodes. And subscribe to Gabbing with Gabe on YouTube to watch full-length versions of our interviews. We'd also love your support with a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can follow me at Gibsonoma on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And keep up with all things Gabbing with Gib at Gabbing with Gib on Instagram and TikTok. Gabbing with Gib is an independent podcast hosted by me, Gibson Johns. It's produced by myself and Riley Dabbs. Graphics are by Rachel Roth and our cover art photography is by Troy Hallahan. If you want to reach out about guest booking, sponsorship, or advertising opportunities, email us at gabbingwithgib at gmail.com. Thank you again for your support and see you next time.